Hey listeners, you've heard on the podcast from casting directors and Broadway directors just how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. The Breakdown is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you authentically grow your following without using bots, fake followers, or anything like that. I particularly love the welcome packet and the videos they include that help you optimize your account. And wow, did I learn a lot. The TSMA is offering an exclusive discount for our listeners. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with actor Hannah Shankman. Hannah's Broadway credits include Wicked, Les Mis, Sideshow, and Hair. National touring credits include The Band's Visit, Rent, and the 25th anniversary tour of Les Mis. West End credits include Hair and Homemade Fusion in Concert. Hannah's worked regionally at the La Jolla Playhouse, the Kennedy Center, Williamstown, Syracuse Stage, Casa Manana, Era Rock Lyceum, in roles including Finney Bryce in Funny Girl, Rizzo in Grease, Maureen in Rent, Sally Simpson in Tommy, and Rosaline in The Last Goodbye. TV and film credits include The Last Five Years and Singing with the Les Mis Movie at the 86th Annual Academy Awards. Listeners, I was so happy and honored to have Hannah on the podcast for a hundred reasons. One big one is that she has performed on Broadway or on tour in some of my favorite productions of some of my favorite musicals ever. Her resume is something to envy for any performer. But what I didn't know about Hannah's story is how hard she's worked and how intentionally she's crafted her career. Hannah knows how the business works and how to use that to get to where you want to be. This is exactly why I want to have actors on the podcast to talk about the stuff you don't see on Playbill or social media. Hannah is a perfect example of how she puts it, driving her own career and making things happen for herself, not just waiting for the phone to ring. And I love that. We get to talk about some of her biggest audition stories, including her audition for Hair, her Broadway debut. It involves crashing the boys' ECC dance call, an agent never calling her to tell her that she actually booked the show, and ends with her moving to London to do the production in the West End. But you need to listen to her tell it. And as always, if you like what you hear, please take a second right now, press pause, we'll be here when you get back, and make sure you're subscribed and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts or give us a shout out on Instagram. We love hearing from you all. All right, listeners, without further ado, here is my conversation with the wildly talented, tenacious, and funny Hannah Shankman. But Hannah, I am so happy to be talking to you. I'm so happy that you're on the podcast. I'm so happy to be seeing you and reconnecting with you. I'm just honored that you are sharing your time with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. For sure. For sure. It's so important for me to have actors on the show to have, you know, so we can like cross reference, you know, what we're hearing from casting directors and agents and also people that have been in the business and been as successful as you have been. I've known you or known of you for like too long. Like, when did <laughs> when did you do when did you do rent at Syracuse stage like 10 years ago? Oh my god. Yeah, maybe honestly a little bit more more like yeah. 12 years ago, I think. Right. Right. Ah. Um, I didn't actually see you in Rent because I was in Tepper at the time, which is that semester where the seniors go away. So like my class, like the seniors in my class were not, like my class was not in Rent, I don't think. Mm -mm. Like I think it was like Ross Baum was a year below me. I love Ross. Um, Shout out. We all do. We all do. (laughs) So, but, but listen, like I've been following your career and following you on, you know, your social handles and seeing you in things. And I am so happy to talk to you because I was like, literally, I just was on a run and I was thinking, Hannah has been in every single show that I am obsessed with. Oh my God. Like, just love. <laughs> and I don't even, I don't even take that lightly. Like, I won't even tell you how many times I saw Rent, you know, the original production of Rent um, on Broadway. And I know you did the tour. Mm-hmm. And then my gateway drug was Wicked when I was, you know, because I was that in 2004, I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. And it was like that age when Wicked came out. Oh, yeah. But also one of the first musicals that I became obsessed with was Sideshow that I just like could not stop listening to. And I still listen to all the time and really? loved the revival. Yeah. And I actually saw it in LA. In La Jolla. I mean, not in LA, San, San Diego. Yeah. Did you, you did that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I saw it there because I was in grad school at the Old Globe at the time. I have um, no idea. That's incredible. Yep. And then, of course, Les Mis is just, you know, She's a, classic. a staple. Yeah. Uh, the classic, probably one of the most popular musicals of all time. But also, my newest favorite musical was The Band's Visit. I mean, oh. that is just, it It will be up there with the sideshows and the Les Mis. And, you know, like it is, it is that beautiful and that gorgeous, especially that production. So I guess my first question to you is, you know, you've done these like wildly iconic shows that I think people could only dream to have these productions and these experiences and these roles on their resume. What? <laughs> I don't even know what the question is. What is it about you or why do you think, do you like secret shows or do you like go after shows or, you know, Hannah, there's some, there's a lot of wildly talented girls in the city, you know, that we know, but, but you have curated this unbelievable, awesome, beautiful resume of these amazing iconic shows that I love. I mean, Alphaba in Wicked, do you know, like these incredible roles that you've played in these shows. And I just wonder if you can maybe explain, maybe Maybe you, maybe you don't even like these shows, but I'm telling you, I love them. But why, why you? Like, why? How did that happen? I guess. How did that happen? First of all, thank you. That's so <laughs> kind of you, and incredibly humbling. Um, and being a part of these shows is is so humbling. And you know, I I don't know that I've ever thought about it before. My first instinct when you said that actually was, it's so odd. I did not grow up on these shows. Like, I did not know Les Mis. I did not. I knew Wicked. I did not really know Rent that well. I have to admit, I grew up with a theater company that did a lot of obscure shows. And I'm, well, we can talk about it at length, but uh, I would say one of my mentors in life was the director of that theater company. His name is Adam Cohen. He would do like Sondheim shows with us. We would do Adam Gettle shows. It was so, uh, it, he would do unfamiliar musicals with this group of kids. And it, it was, such a blessing because it created less pressure to be a part of these few musicals that I was aware of, I think. And I think I may have stumbled into these musicals because I wasn't like clawing after that one show. It wasn't, I have to play Eponine. I, I have to play Maureen. I have to play Alphaba. And I think sometimes that um, limitation causes you to be blindsided to all the other beautiful opportunities that are around. And I think I went into those auditions with less pressure. You know, there wasn't that I have to get this show. There's a million other shows out there. And I think a lot of other kids grew up thinking there's only this limited number of musicals that I can choose from that I'm right for. And I didn't feel that way growing up. And that being said, once I got into these shows, I was much more aware of their iconic nature and uh, and very grateful to be part of such a legacy. Yeah, for sure. I think that 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 makes so much sense to me. I mean, when sometimes when you go into auditions, you can totally psych yourself out, or Absolutely. if you're auditioning for something that's a dream role, you can psych yourself out. Which I, I have done before, trust me, <laughs> as we all have. Right, right, totally. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. The other thing is that your voice is wild. I mean, you have a beautiful, beautiful, versatile voice. Where did that come from? Where did that start? Was it, did you start with musical theater? I know that your mom is in the theater. Yeah. Um, we spoke about that before we started recording. She's an icon. Did it, were you growing up with musical theater? Where did that, where did that come from? You know, I've been singing since I was like two. I, as, as you said, my mom is in musical theater. My dad is actually also an actor. That's how they met. They did the Greece national tour together. And I, I know. And uh, so starting at a very young age, my mom was actually uh, not working professionally, but she was working at community theater. So when I was about, I want to say like three or four, I went to go see her do Peter Pan at a community theater in just outside New York in Westchester and was absolutely enthralled by the entire experience and just started wanting to become an actor. And, you know, Disney was at its height then, you know, we had The Little Mermaid and uh, Beauty and the Beast and Pocahontas and all these incredible female characters with these amazing songs. And I remember just singing them all the time around the house. And then I started doing 
you know, like school shows and you weren't allowed to be in the school show actually until you were in third grade in my elementary school. And we did like a radio review of my first show. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm being gypped. This isn't a real show. <laughs> and then we did uh, Wizard of Oz my fourth in my fourth grade year. And then we did Annie my fifth grade year. And I remember being cast as act one, Annie. Yeah, right. We used to separate act one and act two. And I think that was like the breaking point for me. I remember practicing with my piano teacher um, singing maybe at my piano lesson. And I discovered my belt. I remember it like very distinctly. My mom came in the room. She was like, was that you? I was like, yeah. Why don't, why am I singing so weird? And she was like, you're belting. So I had, you know, like wow. guidance and, and, um, help a lot, which was nice. So I, you know, am curious specifically because we, you know, obviously I talked about these iconic shows that you've been in, these iconic roles and everything. And I just today want to talk about the process of how these things happened and what the audition situation sure. looked like. I think that that would be, it's always cool. so interesting. I think, you know, everyone has these different ways to roles and sometimes it's cold auditions. Sometimes it's kind of like you knew someone or, you know, so I just kind of wanted to talk about that. But the first thing I want to talk about, I guess, is how did you find an agent in the city? And let's talk about agents. Like, are you still with the same agent yeah. you're always with? Or like, how did that happen for you in the beginning? Cause that's obviously a very important part of this process. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of a larger story, but I did not go to a musical theater program. Right. That's um, what I thought. Yeah. Yes. So I found my agent originally, my friend on the rent tour was auditioning to get an agent. He had gone to Brown University and was not, I believe they didn't showcase. So he was auditioning for my current agent. And he asked me to come along and sing, take me or leave me with my friend who had played Joanne on our tour so that uh, he could sing a duet with her and a duet with me. And then they would let us sing, take me or leave me so that they could just like see some other things that he did. Fun. And they ended up asking me to take a meeting and we, we spoke and they were like, that's great. We're, we really like working with you. And I remember I was non-equity at the time, which was kind of, you know, tough. Um, and I didn't have a musical theater degree and I freelanced with them for a little while. And then once I booked hair on Broadway, we signed you know, our contracts. And I've been with them ever since. So I've been with them since like 2009 or 10. So wow. like 11 years. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And that's great to have that relationship. Who, who's your agent? Mine. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Justin awesome. Flores. He's the best. Love him. Love that. Love that. So yeah. good to, I just love to hear who people are with and because yeah. you, you know, it's important for people who are coming to the city, I think, to kind of have an idea of, oh, this artist or this you know, Hannah does some of the shows that I really love to do or her path. So, you know, anyway, interesting to know. Okay. Then let's back up a little bit more. Let's talk about rent. Let's okay. And I have to be honest, <laughs> I am the biggest rent head on the planet. Like I saw the show, I grew up in Western Massachusetts and my best friend in high school her dad was like an engineer for Amtrak. So we would jump on the Amtrak every Saturday, two and a half hours down to New York. And this was maybe towards the end of Rent's run when the $20 lottery tickets, oh, you could yeah. kind of just get them. But I mean, the casts were amazing. You know, um, I remember, I think I saw it the night before it closed on Broadway with Eden and like uh, unbelievable, an unbelievable cast. So I know pretty much every moment of that musical. <laughs> I love it. And always wanted to be a part of it in some way. I ended up doing a summer stock production of Rent and it was like, li I'd lived my dreams. Um, oh my God, you'd be great in it. But let's talk about how it happened for you because I know everyone in the whole world was auditioning for Rent and was auditioning for that show. And, um, and you were young. And so I think it will be helpful for other younger actors to hear maybe, you know, how you got your first bigger job, which I think is, am I right in saying it was like our first? It was my first, like, actually, I think it was my first real professional job. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So was it an open call situation? It was. I had, so I was between my junior and senior years at Michigan. And I had come back to New York for the summer to do, Cap 21 used to do a summer program. They did like a- And I did so it. So did I. Not the pre-college one. The professional the, the one. Like, yeah. Yes, the professional yeah. one. I did it too. I did both. 
funny enough. I oh, like it amazing. So much. Oh, yeah. cool. But uh, the professional one's amazing. It's great. Uh, I don't think it really exists anymore because. I don't know that Cap 21 exists. They are anymore. like a separate school. I think you get like a certificate, not a degree. I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm actually guessing okay. here. Anyway, I digress. So I was in my uh, summer gap between junior and senior year at Michigan, and I had come back to New York. I was living in on the Lower East Side. I was doing the pre-professional program or the professional program, and uh, I was going to the open call for rent. I woke up, you know, as you do at like, 5am to sign up on that non-equity mm-hmm. list. And I remember they saw like something like 900 people that day, something crazy. We only got I'm eight sure. bars, which for listeners, usually at like an equity audition, you get at least 16 or usually 32. Um, but we got eight bars acapella. <laughs> and I remember talking to the guy who was like two people behind me and I got called back. And then at the callback, the guy who was two people behind me was also at the callback. His name was Miguel. And we both ended up going through like all the rounds of callbacks together and booked the show. And we were like, oh my God, on the first day of rehearsal, you booked it, I booked it. <laughs> so yeah, I did. Um, Do you remember how many auditions you had so for had for I it? believe I had, it wasn't a ton, if I'm if I remember correctly. I went to the open call. I got a phone call. They gave me all the information. So I went to that audition. I sang. I left. They called me back one more time. I came back in. I sang. I danced. I remember like going in in my like jean shorts and some ripped up t-shirt, like who knows, and my fry boots and having to do the contact dance in my fry boots. (laughs) I remember being like, these things are heavy and they want me like grinding all up over, you know, all up on everything. And I left, I walked out the door, I walked, this was before Telsey moved, I walked down the street, down 43rd Street, rounded the corner, went in that like bodega that used to be on the corner and got a phone call that was like, hey, we want to offer you the job. And I remember being like, wait, what? (laughs) And I had come back. Oh, God, it's so crazy, like remembering all of this. I'd come back for those last two auditions. I had gone back to Michigan in between that first audition and the final and started my senior year. So I was two days into my senior year and I had come back, done the final callback, gotten the phone call that I had booked the job and was going to have to call Michigan and be like, hey, I'm dropping out. Wow. What was that decision like for you? Were you like, obviously you probably made the decision before you went to the callback. Like if I got offered this job, I'm going to leave and do it, which I would have done it too, but just wondering about that. I don't think I had made the decision. I don't know that there was ever a decision in my head that ever had to be made. If I got a professional job, I was leaving. Mm -hmm. I think I've always been the kind of person who benefits from life experience. Mm -hmm. I love learning and class a lot, but I think there is there are so few opportunities for actors. It's something like, you know, 3% of actors are working on Broadway and 11% of actors are employed at any time. I wasn't going to give up a job. Absolutely. And such an incredible job, a national tour when you're 21. I mean, what an amazing opportunity. And to do that show. So, but when you got that show, did you know every word of the show? Like, were you in, in college? Did you kind of start getting obsessed with it? Or you weren't even that person at that point? So in like eighth grade, I think was when the soundtrack came out for me. And I remember listening to it a ton with my my friend Quinn, actually. She got me really into it. But we only listened to like, Take Me or Leave Me, La Vie Boheme, and maybe like the opening. Yeah. And that was like kind of it. That was all I really knew of the show. I had listened to the show, but I didn't know it like I knew other shows. Right. I remember walking in the first day and I would say 90% of the people there, maybe 80, knew like every word. And I was so intimidated. Learning La Vie Boheme for the first time is a feat. It's a lot yeah. of words. <laughs> but, you know, I was ready and willing for the challenge and I learned it faster than I thought I would. And having people who already knew it was very helpful because they would always be pressing on. Even if you fell off the boat, you could get back on. But it was it was pretty mind-blowing. I remember being in that room and, and being so incredibly humbled by the story and the creatives that were attached to the piece. 
and Jonathan Larson's family, who to this day is involved in every production. I mean, we went to the ABC cafe after the first week of rehearsal with Jonathan Larson's parents and sat down and they bought everyone drinks. It was absolutely beautiful. And, and so um, it was so graceful of them, you know, mm-hmm. it keeps his memory alive, the show. And, mm-hmm. and it keeps so many people's memories alive, all the lives we lost to the AIDS pandemic. And I think it's just such an important piece. And to be a piece of that story, to get to tell that story every night was absolutely thrilling, thrilling to be a part mm-hmm. of. For sure. For sure. I mean, just so cool. I, I love that musical yeah. with literally all of my heart. Okay, so let's press on. So I'm just, I'm like literally just asking you all the questions <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> do it. No, but it's so interesting. So because we do focus more on the business, like we're not going to talk so much about process or craft, but it's, um, I mean, I'll probably ask you that too. But so you come back to the city, you have this amazing national tour, you sign with the mine, and you are living in the city. And then your Broadway debut is Hair? Yes. Is that right? So talk to me about how how long after you got back from Rent? So so I got back from Rent in the summer of uh, 2008. I We'd gone to Japan for like, I think it was like- So cool. So cool. It was so cool. For like two months, I remember being like, what? I'm never going to be able to come back here. And I'm so thrilled to be here. Anyway, Um so yeah, we went to Japan for about two months, came back, did America for another like five, and then the tour ended. I moved to New York. I did a uh, production of Hair in Asbury Park at Revision Theater. It was non-equity in like a carousel house. It was crazy. Cool, <laughs> yeah. immersive, site-specific. Like some dear people. It was such a blast. And then um, I got back into the city at the end of the summer. And I did a, I, I kind of got involved with a lot of um, downtown theater. Uh-huh. I did the Flea Theater. I was working at La Mama cool. a lot. One of my dearest friends I met that summer, his name is Chris Kukul. He's the music director on Beetlejuice. He's insanely talented. And he cast me in a production of a new musical, or I should say a reading of a new musical um, called The Last Goodbye, which was based on all of Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley, Romeo and Juliet. I was at the Old Globe when it finally... Oh, it's like one of my favorite pieces I've ever worked on. It just hits my heartstrings. Anyway, so we did a bunch of incarnations of that. And... um, Chris cast me in all these recordings for Liz Suedos. So I was doing all these recordings for Liz Suedos. It was awesome. I loved working downtown. It was so different than anything I had done before. Extremely rewarding, different styles of theater that I hadn't really worked on before. And then um, Chris actually was the one who got me to audition for the Williamstown Theater Festival for their non-equity program. So I auditioned for that, got in, was super excited to go. Right before I went, my friend from that production of hair that I had done, that non-equity show, was like, let's crash the boys ECC dance call for the hair Broadway show. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) See, these are the stories that I want everyone to hear. Do you know what I mean? No one called you and gave you a red carpet for a, you know, Sheila audition. Do you know what I mean? Like this was you being scrappy and being like, I want to get seen and... So please keep going. And I'm so happy that you're telling and I have stories. To say, I am like super, super scrappy when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like I, I mm-hmm. was always trying to crash EPAs. Um, I was always trying to get seen for shows I knew I was right for. I, I followed my gut on stuff like that. I, I had tried to get an appointment actually for hair and I hadn't gotten one. And I had tried to get mm-hmm. to, into the um, EPA and I couldn't get in. So I went to the ECC with my friend. Where was hair at this point? Had it opened on Broadway? Was it in the park? Like where it was in, in the, the park while I was doing the non-equity production in New Jersey. And our cast actually okay. were like friendly. We had um Yeah. Uh, Marty Cummings was in that production in Avery Park with me. And at oh the time gosh. he was dating we... someone in the Broadway production or oh, the park funny. production, I should say. So they had already done the park. So they were only looking for like swings, a couple of like little potential tracks. Like I think they were auditioning Sheila's at that point, but like 21 mm-hmm. year old me, 22 year old me was not going in for Sheila. I was too young. They, you know, with Will playing burger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the ECC with my friend Anita and we got seen at the dance call for the boys <laughs> and they. So 
break sorry like break write down. that down for me do yeah. you remember that day like you, I do for someone listening like what did you literally do you you just were like I'm not a boy I'm here did you go to dance you know like yeah, it's a great question. So what actually was supposed to happen was we were supposed to go to the girls ECC dance call and my hot water was out. And I was like, I'm not going to the ECC if I can't shower. I look disgusting, you know, so vain. Anyway, so I was like, let's push it to the boys dance call in the afternoon. And she was like, okay, your, your water, water will be back on by then and you'll be able to go. So we waited till the afternoon. My water wasn't still on. She was like, Hannah, we have to go. You have to come with me. And I was like, are you? Uh, fine. Okay, I'll come. Even though I haven't showered, I guess it's appropriate for this show. Fine. So we show up. We <laughs> just like scraggly, curly hair everywhere. Totally, um, totally. Yeah. It's right for that show. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't going in, you know, to play, I don't know, Christine Daae, they would have been like, who is this crazy girl? Anyway, right. so I show up for the dance call um, and me and Anita sit there and we get seen. And I remember it was just like jumping around and having fun. And, and like, I, there was a lot of improv, if I remember correctly. I believe we were dancing to going down. And tell me, do you consider yourself a dancer? Like, are you a dancer? <laughs> um... <laughs> It's an interesting question. I would never say dance is what I would like to lead with. Uh -huh. I, I do not lead with dancing. I am not a proficient dancer. I was not like ballet trained or anything like that. I am super okay with faking my way through dance. I really like you know, like athletic dancing um, and uh -huh. lyrical dancing. I wouldn't say I'm super good at it. I would say I'm definitely like passable. Yeah, I mean, even thinking about the things that you've done... Like you must have really had to dance in Wicked, right? I danced a ton and I yeah. was so intimidated. Because <laughs> that choreography is amazing and crazy. Oh, we'll yeah. Get to, we'll get to Wicked though. No. We'll get to Wicked. But I just was thinking, of course you're a dancer. If you did that, then. No, and that was really hard for me. But I like, I would say my dance style is more like um, American Idiot, stuff like that. That's cool, where I feel cool, really cool. comfortable. Rent hair yes you know wicked was extremely technical and extremely difficult for me but like band's visit is very lyrical it's extremely mm. connected to um like a deep emotional core and i find that more accessibly more accessible than uh technical dancing for me mm. totally makes sense makes yeah sense. okay sorry for that tangent okay. just had to know so anyway so i go to this ecc and yes. i get a callback um like i would say two months later to sing. Wow. And I was like, great. So I go back, I sing. I get another callback to sing again. It, and it, at this point it was whittling down. Like I remember going to that second callback and there were only really like Sheila's and girls there for the swing track. And there were probably, there weren't that many people. I remember seeing some people who would later be in like other carnations of the show at that callback. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't book it. I was so upset. I remember being like, wow. oh my God, I should be in this show. How did I not book this job? But, you know, I was like, it's not over until it's over. We'll see. I'll be in it at some point. I remember thinking that. I left for Williamstown. I, at this point, I was freelancing with a different agent. Um, I left for Williamstown. I was there for about two weeks uh, doing a new Kuman and Diamond show that was absolutely brilliant. Um, I came back for a callback. They were like, hey, we need a vacation swing. We'd love to see you. We can push you to finals. Can you come in and audition for this vacation swing? This was after they had won the Tony. So it was like late June and I came back. I sang, I danced, they made a cut and it came down to me and one other girl. <laughs> and uh, we got asked to come in the room together and do black boys <laughs> together. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm never gonna book this job. <laughs> this other girl is so sexy. Like, how am I ever gonna book this? And we did the whole thing and, and they, we left the room again and then they called us back in and had us do the obligato. Do you know what that is? It's the really, really high soprano thing in the B-in that Katie Keehan sang. Yes. Yeah. And I remember being like, yes. I don't no, if I can sing these notes, it's so high. I never, I just wasn't in my like, um, you know, back pocket. I'm not like a color turret soprano and it's very breathy and airy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And I did the singing 
And they were like, great, thank you so much. And we both left. This was on a Friday. I drove back to Williamstown. I feel like this is my story. I always go somewhere, have to come back and then go back and quit anyway. So I drive back to (laughs) Williamstown. Saturday happens, no phone call. Sunday happens, no phone call. I'm like, I I guess I didn't get it. Monday, I'm sitting on the couch with my friend Adam and I get a phone call that's like, hi, is Hannah there? I'm like, yeah, this is she. He's like, hi, this is Jordan Thaler from the public. Are you coming to rehearsal tomorrow? I was like, what? What? (laughs) He was like, yeah, you booked the job. Are you coming to rehearsal tomorrow? And I remember being like, wait, what? (laughs) Like crying on the couch and just being so fucking thrilled. I mean, honestly, dreaming dreams come true. Yes, it was like yes. everything I had hoped for and wished for and the show that I loved passionately and wholeheartedly. And it was happening right, right in that moment. It was so overwhelming. And essentially he had called this agent I had been freelancing with and she never called me. Yeah. So I had to like pack up my stuff, get out of Williamstown and go back and, uh, be on, be Broadway. on Broadway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So how long did you do hair on Broadway? Um, A year, almost, almost yeah. a year. And then I mm-hmm. went with the London company. I went with the, the Broadway company transferred right. to London. And um, right. Yeah. I remember that happening. Yeah. And people were like, that's unbelievable because that never gets to happen. And I didn't even, you know, it's crazy the things that happen in your career where you don't even realize how lucky you are because I feel like at that time, just the um, mass appreciation of musical theater in the younger generation was not quite a thing yet. Um, mm. The way it is now with shows like Glee and, and yes. You know, uh, so I didn't, there wasn't as much exposure about what musical theater was. So I didn't even realize at the time how incredibly lucky I was. I mean, I did, but maybe not fully. It was probably the most incredible experience of my life. I don't think it'll probably ever happen again, but Jackie Burns wasn't going to go to London and they asked me to take over her track and I got to be the assistant dance captain and have a beautiful apartment in South Kensington in London and help set the show. And Oh my God, it was just a dream come true. And I got to also understudy Sheila and Chrissy and the mom, which is actually a fun story. I did not cover the mom, but I went on for her twice. (laughs) Wow. Crazy. (laughs) How long were you in London? Six months. Oh my gosh. I mean, Hannah, that's literally my dream, everyone's dream. So that is just so wild and so cool. It was so fun. It was incredible. London is magnificent. It is my favorite place. I studied there when I was in college and then I was back um, maybe like two years ago and saw all the theater and I just was walking around thinking like, oh, I just love it. It vibes with me. The theater is amazing. The way of life is amazing. It's just very special. Absolutely. So that is so cool. Hannah, I literally want to ask you about every single thing you've done in your life. (laughs) I want to ask you about, no, all the shows and and all your auditions for them because of time, like at least for the podcast, we're not going to get to do that on this episode. Um, But I wonder like if you can just, I guess like let's take the next like big group of shows, like whether it's like Les Mis or Sideshow or Wicked or Bands Visit, like do any of those have an audition story that you're like, oh, I, I think that we should talk about this for the podcast because this was kind of an interesting audition situation. Just kind of like that hair situation was like, I mean, that was also your Broadway debut. So at this point, the next time you go in and audition for something, you have a Broadway credit, you have a national tour. So it's going to be easier for you to get appointments. So you won't have to be, I guess, crashing EPAs. I mean, I'm imagining that. Maybe that's not true, but. You know, I I think, um, I think it was easier I don't want to say it was easier. I think the second time you're on Broadway, it's like then you're kind of breaking the seal. I feel like for me, at least it felt like one time was a fluke and it needed to happen again for it to be real. And so Sideshow was really that for me. Um, I did I did the yes. like Miz tour after I did um, Hair, which was fantastic. Uh, the only funny thing I can think about that was they asked me to sing for Fontaine in my callback and I'm not super familiar with the show. And I was like, can I just have a moment with the music? And they were like, really? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes. (laughs) So that might've been charming to them. Who knows? I don't know. But I, I was my truth. You know, I was like, I know all of Eponine stuff, but I, 
I don't really know Fantine stuff, so I needed a moment. Anyway, um, yeah, I would say that the next interesting audition for me would would probably be Sideshow, just because right. it was such an uh, unique experience and a unique show. I went in originally for Daisy, I believe Daisy. And what was your Sideshow zeitgeist before this? Like, did I knew you know nothing. it? Did you love it? I okay. knew nothing. Oh. And I remember when it started happening. I heard some of the music and was like, oh, I'm going to be in that show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have to be in that show. I remember at the time I was in Craig Cornelius class, who is a gift to musical theater. Um, and I was hearing everyone, you know, work on their auditions and was like, why am I not going in for this? And I emailed my agent, um, the mine, and was like, hey, can I go in for this? And they were like, let us check. And they got me an appointment. I went in for Daisy. And I think I was... At the time, they had done a couple of workshops, and um, Aaron Davey was still attached, I believe, and I was too short. Because mm -hmm. they have to be physically the same height. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of important, it's I guess. important. It was hard for the costumes and things like that if they weren't, you know? So they wanted someone taller, and unfortunately, I'm a little too short. I'm like mm -hmm. four or five inches shorter than Aaron. I'm a short. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, she's very tall. Uh, so anyway, so they called me back to play the snake charmer <laughs> because there was a snake charmer in the original. And I remember going in, um, Laura Stanzik cast that show. She's a doll. And she, after my first callback, was like, hey, I want to call you back again for creative, but I need you to like dress super goth and like give them all the things that they need so they can see it. And I was like, great. Uh, so I like wore my sexy black kimono and my all black outfit and my eyeliner and like my hair was all crazy and my red lipstick. And I sang, <laughs> I remember I was in Craig's class and I sang Arabian Nights from Aladdin. <laughs> yes. I was like, this yes. is very right for this. I was yep. auditioning, I think, to understudy Daisy at the time, but they they wanted me to bring in something of my own. So I brought in Arabian Nights and I like full on, you know, charmed my snake out of its basket. And they were like all very um, surprised, I think is the correct word. And I walked out of the room. Oh, and my friend Lauren from Hair was the reader at my audition. And Love the that. way she tells it and the way Bill Condon tells it is that I walked out of the room and um, Henry Krieger was like, is she crazy or was she doing something? <laughs> And Lauren Elder, bless her heart, was like, no, she was just doing something. She's not actually crazy. <laughs> and I got another call back and then I booked the job. And I remember sitting down for the first reading with uh, with the creatives and Bill coming up to me and being like, hey, so I'm wondering, like, maybe this should be the tattooed lady. What do you think about that? And I was like, I love that. That sounds incredible and so the character yeah. changed for me we 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 changed it into the tattooed lady wow. which was amazing that whole process was insane i mean just building a revival that was so different from the original and working with you know henry krieger and bill russell and bill condon who is a dear dear friend of mine now i mean mm -hmm. these are creative minds that never stop these are people who can see things in their brain and and make it a reality and then tweak it in ways that are so graceful and beautiful and specific. You know, watching Bill Condon work was like a masterclass in itself. He is a genius, an absolute genius. And being able to take a show that's so iconic and had such a limited time on Broadway and revive it, but make it different was so exciting. And the message is so beautiful, so beautiful. You know, I think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of young women need to hear things that that show speaks about. And I remember thinking every woman is an individual. No one should be defined by another person or defined by a relationship or defined by society or defined by the way they look. And that show just speaks about all of that at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I loved that it got a revival because it's such a beautiful piece Ugh. and I feel like I obviously wish it ran longer. Thank like you. there's there's something like so haunting about that musical in so many ways. Oh, yeah. But you know, it's like the original production didn't really have a big commercial run. Like your run ended sooner than we all wanted it to. Do you know? It's almost like the world isn't ready for it or 
What do you, or, or do you think maybe there's going to be a revival in 10 oh, years God. and the world will be ready to see it? You know, it's almost like you think, oh, I want to go see this like fun show and it ends up being, there are moments that are quite dark and disturbing and, and effective storytelling, but. I think it's an uncomfortable piece. I think people aren't willing to see beyond the surface a lot. Also, I think it deals with, with Daisy and Violet who are unlike everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not about a person who feels different. It's about people that really, truly were different and not accepted and not thought of as individuals. And I think that story is a little harder for the common person to grasp. I think it takes some connecting. But I just, I also think that the show is darker than people want it to be. You know, it deals with Mm -hmm. people that are extremely different and People are scared of different sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's why we do theater to show them. Even if you reach five people, even if you reach one person, it's worth it. And mm-hmm. I, I truly believe we reached a lot of people in the short time that we ran. We reached yeah. a lot of them. And the soundtrack lives on, you know, both yeah. you guys did a soundtrack recording, did, right? yeah. which is so cool because the original one is how so many people have learned and discovered it. And I know mm-hmm. that they will, uh, you know, it will live on through your recording. Yeah. You know, there's something you've mentioned just like a couple times since we've talked that I need to ask about. And I love that you've said it because you've talked about taking class, you know, like you, mm. before we started recording, you talked about how you just took a class and talking about Craig Carnelia, who brilliant, oh. brilliant. And I think sometimes the mindset is, oh, I get out of college and like, now I'm just ready to work or, you know, not, I don't think people are naive enough to say there's nothing that I need to learn, but you had, you know, been on Broadway, you had been on national tours and you're still you have this incredible resume that I obviously gushed about earlier, but you're still taking class. And I just want to know, obviously I I can think of why, but for you, why, what you look for in a class, why you think it's important. And like that continuing education is, is so important. And I think that the thing is, Oh, Hannah Shankman, she doesn't need to take a class, but it's like, uh, that's why there's this podcast is kind of creating the space for people like you to talk about maybe why it's important. Yeah. I think it's extremely important we haven't really talked about it, but I didn't get as much training in college as I would have liked to. I went to an acting program, not a musical theater program. And I only started it my second year of college because I actually didn't get accepted to any theater programs when I first auditioned. I went to Michigan for art history. I want everyone to hear that. Yeah. Like Rejected Hannah, everywhere. <laughs> and now you have an incredible, an incredible list of credits and shows um, that that any, that is enviable to anyone. So, you know, I want, I totally want people to hear that because I have some friends. There's a friend of mine who was waitlisted at Syracuse, who is now yeah. one of the most successful people from my program. So it is that it does not mean anything, you know, no, the way not. you work in the business. I think it gives you a thick skin, which I think is what you were getting at. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it teaches you about rejection, which is something mm-hmm. in our business that is very common. Mm-hmm. And it makes you push forward. Uh, so I re-auditioned. I went to an acting program at Michigan, the BFA acting major. I left before my senior year. And then I was on Broadway, which was great. I finished college actually while I was in hair through NYU. I got my BA in art history. And wow. yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of work, but it was fun. Um, so yeah. getting back to class, I think it started from stemming the fact, it stemmed from the fact that I wanted more training. It also stemmed from the fact that I don't think we can grow as actors unless we have a safe space to try new things and work on things and push ourselves. But unfortunately, sometimes our shows are not that safe space. Our safe space is the classroom. You know, there are lots of other people who decide what beats mean for you or, you know, how to sing that song or what the purpose of this moment is. And it's not always up to you, especially as an understudy. So class for me was an opportunity to grow. It was an opportunity to learn and experiment and push myself, Uh, especially Craig's class. Craig's class was a gift from (laughs) the universe. I mean, my friend from hair, Brianna, actually, um, who is a brilliant actress and singer, uh, introduced me to the class after hair. And I started taking it when I wasn't working. And it just start, sort of filled the void of not performing. 
And it gave me this place to work on my auditions, to work on things I wanted to work on, roles I wanted to play where I had never really been able to work on them before. So that when those opportunities came around to audition, I had a place and a foundation and a, um, and a safe space to work in. I also took like an Alexander class that was really, really eye-opening for me. Um, yep. And an acting class through uh, an individual that was fantastic voice lessons. My voice teacher <laughs> literally changed my life. Um, his name is Matt Farnsworth. I cannot recommend him enough. He has been spoken and praised on the podcast oh before. I mean, hees incredible. A gem. He's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, and you know, also the thing is, is your, your instrument is always changing. Or, you know, you get injured or you, it's so many things or you you get cast in a role that's lower than you usually sing or higher than you usually sing or sings more than you've ever sang. I remember when I went to go do a uh, funny girl, Matt was like, you know, you're going to sing 13 songs in this show. And I remember thinking, wait, what? She sings 13 songs. <laughs> that's insane. And the stamina is, is a lot. And I remember him helping me with that and helping me navigate singing low and soft and high and loud and all the things and breath control. And, you know, mm -hmm. you just, you need that help and you need that support system. Mm -hmm. It's just such a gift to have those people in your life. And it's also a gift to have those classes when you're not working so that you have a place to play and explore and have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said the safe, safe space because sometimes when you're in your show, you know, it's like you're there to do a job. So yeah. like you have to, you know, cross to like number four and look here and yeah. put your hand out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not as, it's not as safe. And also you're flexing that muscle, mm -hmm. you know, like every, so say you go a couple of weeks without an audition, by the time you have an audition, you're not cold, you know, you are warm, you've been working, you've been singing. It's, I feel like that's during the pandemic, like just trying to get warm again and trying to get back in practice, you know, because we haven't done it, you know, in a while. And you are gonna, have you, have you all heard anything about when you'll resume? No specifics, you know, yeah. we're hopeful, um, as mm -hmm. I think everyone is that maybe sooner than we think, or perhaps, yeah. you know, it depends on the vaccine. But yeah. I, I am very hopeful that it won't be too much longer. Yeah. I say that I'm like, knock wood, Hannah, Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. I was also just going to say, I also think it's important to have class when you're in a show because you're you're flexing the same muscle in a show every day. It's like if you do the same workout every day, your body gets used to it, your muscles get used to it. It becomes muscle memory. It's not really a workout anymore, you know? Yeah what I learned the most from being that alphaba understudy was that you have to prepare on your own because you don't have the luxury of finding that muscle memory. You don't have the luxury of knowing how that feels after doing your own eight show week for two years, you know? Yeah. So class helps you keep your muscles going. Yep. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, we need to do a follow-up episode because I just have so many <laughs> questions about, obviously, we've had a few wicked people on the show and I'm like intimately oh, yeah. familiar with that whole world and process because of some, you know, good friends that have gone through it. And I just totally want to hear your story at some point. So we should have a wicked episode. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. And like talking to Joe Mantello about it was also just very cool. Like, I mean, he is so talk cool. about it like dreams legend he's incredible dreams. he only came to rehearsal like once when i was there and i remember just being floored by everything he said he's just so insightful and so smart yeah for sure for sure hannah like we i've gone so over time i'm so sorry for taking your time okay. i i just like could totally geek over like every everything you're doing i'm super busy today you know i have like all these things to do in covid <laughs> quarantine so <laughs> i always end by asking and, and I don't want to skip it, even though we're over time, because I, I'm just curious. But, you know, if you could tell your your younger self something, that Hannah that was just, let's say, just getting off the rent tour, who like, you know, you booked rent, but maybe you didn't totally understand the business at that point, or you didn't understand, you know, the, the inner workings and the ups and the highs are high and the lows are lows. And you're kind of clawing your way and you're, you know, you, you used a word before that I can't remember, but like, it wasn't resourceful, but you were like, I've had to be kind of this way, not scrappy, but you used a word or something that I was like, yeah, I love, I love that. But I just wonder if, if, um, what do you wish, 
that younger Hannah knew about maybe the business specifically? It can really be about anything, but yeah, I don't know. Whatever comes up for you. I think there's two things that come to mind. The first is you have to advocate for your own career. You know, I think that's really important. I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's your career. So you should drive it. You should be in the driver's seat. Um, and then the other thing that comes to mind for me is just to just be so authentically you. I think I was confused at certain points in my life. Not confused. I would say less clear about who I was, whether that was because of something that was going on in my life or something that uh, was maybe or an environment perhaps that was suppressing my own confidence or sense of self. And I think what I've learned as I've been a part of this business is that you should never sacrifice who you are or what you believe or your worth, no matter what the project is, because you are you and you are the only one who can be you. So you are enough no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know people, you know, that's something that sometimes we hear, but hearing it from someone like you who has that experience, I think goes a long way. So absolutely. I, I think that's so true and so true about driving your career. Absolutely. Hannah, this went by so fast. I'm so grateful. But, um, you know, hearing these things and hearing these audition experiences are important. And it's important for people to hear who are in all stages of their careers, because we're not alone. We're all, you know, doing this together. We're all figuring it out. It's all changing, especially now. But I, I'm such a fan of you and your work and the shows you've done and your career. And so it's so, it's such an honor to talk to you and to hear a little bit about how you, made it work, how you, how you figured it out. And from crashing EPAs to (laughs) re-auditioning for schools, you know, to coming in and singing an Aladdin song in a toga, you know, like (laughs) these are amazing things to hear, do you know? And, and I, I'm even more actually in awe and a fan, you know, learning, you know, what we've talked about today. So thank you. It's so fun to be here. So thank you for having me. It's been incredibly, incredibly humbling. And I'm so honored to be a part of your fantastic podcast. I'm a fan too. Oh my gosh, you're so (laughs) kind. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Instagram and Facebook at The Breakdown with Robbie. We also have some pretty exciting supplementary content over there like Instagram live catch-ups with some of your favorite podcast guests. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. And don't forget to check out TSMA Consulting. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, thanks for listening and get ready for another episode of The Breakdown.